Hello and welcome to Airing Pain, a programme brought to you by Pain Concern, a UK-based charity working to help, support and inform people living with pain and healthcare professionals. This edition has been funded by a grant from the Scottish Government. The British Pain Society defines chronic pain as continuous long-term pain of more than 12 weeks or after the time that healing would have been thought to have occurred in pain after trauma or surgery. Almost 10 million of us in Britain alone have it. Listeners to these airing pain programmes will know that many different healthcare professionals, including doctors, nurses, psychologists, physiotherapists and occupational therapists, all play a part in effective pain management. Whilst this team list is by no means comprehensive, there is one notable omission, and that's the patient. OK, we may not be health professionals, but we are experts. Nobody understands our pain like we do, and our role in managing our own pain, self-management, is key to a better life. So, in this edition of Airing Pain, I want to explore that concept of self-management with an in-depth look at what's widely regarded in professional and patient circles as an essential guide to self-management. It's the pain toolkit. What started some 10 years ago as a simple information booklet with handy tips and skills in self-management has grown into a multimedia online resource. It's Developer and driving force is Pete Moore, who used what he'd learnt on pain management programmes, along with other skills picked up along the way to manage his own persistent pain, to share with the rest of us. In recognition of his continuing work, Pain UK, the British Pain Society and the Chronic Pain Policy Coalition named him their Pain Champion of 2014 at an awards ceremony in the House of Lords. And following that award, I caught up with Pete at the British Pain Society's annual scientific meeting in Manchester. You know, once you've had pain for a a number of months or years, you get stuck. You lose your confidence and you just really don't know what to do with yourself. And um, sometimes you hear that uh, phrase from the GP, it says, well, you'll have to learn to live with it. But, you know, well, how do you start? It's like saying to someone, look, you need to drive a car but they don't really tell you where to go and get the lessons from, like, you know. So really, the pain toolkit really is just a... For a person with pain, it's really a simple booklet, 24 pages, just to really kick-start them, to get them interested in actually self-managing their pain themselves. And what the healthcare professionals tell me, what they like about it, is that it helps them to start that conversation that with the, the patient to actually get an interest in self-managing. I think we've got to that point really now with pain that it's always been the poor relations of healthcare. It's very poorly re- resourced. And uh, as I'm slowly learning of, of late, I've been asking on Twitter and uh, a few academic organisations that uh, pain self-management isn't actually actually taught when a doctor's learning to become a doctor or when a physio's learning to be a physio or an OT becoming an OT. The thing is, you use the expression, you'll have to learn to live with it. Well that can be taken as a put-down statement, well, just get on with it, learn to live with it. Well, actually, you do have to learn to live with it. You have to learn to live with it, but it needs to be a starting point, and there needs to be some skills. And that's when I'm, when I'm, out, I'm out talking to GPs. I would never be a GP, I think it's such a tough job. But I think it's, to, it's come a point where they can't keep writing out prescriptions for medication. They can't keep signposting people to other services. 
from my personal opinion and from what I can see in talking to many GPs, is that they, they need some extra skills built into them when they're learning to become GPs to have that conversation with the patient about becoming self-managers. And I think when healthcare professionals are, are taught in their medical schools, they're taught around med the medical model. It's funny enough, I saw the other, the other night on Twitter, patients need to be educated to self-manage their pain. Well, the medical model isn't really education. So perhaps then what the medical people need to realise or think about is actually involve educational models into their learning. Well, OK, we're at the British Pain Society annual scientific meeting. You're not a health professional, mm -hmm. but you're here talking to people. What can you tell them, all these worthy doctors who've come here this week, what can you tell them about managing their patients? I think really the main, the main message I always give to them is that to, to have that conversation with the patient because I think they're so used to reaching for the treatment options. But really, when a person's got pain, long-term pain, persistent pain, they need some strategies to help them with their pain. So it really is about encouraging them to have that conversation with the patient, saying to them, look, we seem to be a bit stuck here with the pain, but I know you've probably got other concerns going on here. So I think one of the things with a lot of pain healthcare professionals, they're trained to treat their pain. But when you've had pain for a number of years, or months or years, you've got bigger problems. You can't sleep. You've got family worries, you've got work problems, you've got money worries, probably getting a bit of low mood, or I call it depression, you know, feeling down. These problems, Paul, actually start to supersede the actual pain itself. So really, it's when a healthcare professional sees the patient, they say, look, we've got, in a persistent pain cycle, it's on the page three in the pain toolkit. Look at the top bit here, look, this is the main problem, which, you know, if you're pain, but you're telling me here that you can't sleep, you've got money worries, you're not active enough and stuff like that and you've got relationship problems and whatnot. we can't really do much about the pain at the moment but what can we do about sleeping problems about perhaps relationship problems about work problems let's have a look at that let's see what we can do for that now you've just been showing me your new toy and it's a spanking brand new well looks well used now actually yeah, that is. tablet and this one happens to be made by apple yeah. so it's an ipad and you've been showing me your pain toolkit on that. Ten years on, this started in 2004. Mm. This is how people can access it. It's about moving with the times, really. Um, I mean, we've got the pain toolkit booklet, which is in a paper form. But when I, I talk to younger people, when I say, how do you learn new information? They all say tablets, smartphones, YouTube, the internet. We had to start thinking about, well, producing stuff that people are gonna, actually going to want to see. Go on, show me, come on. Okay, so Persuade me I need to buy one of these. Okay, there you go. Would you like me to play some of it? Go on then. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll play the one where it talks about um, pain toolkit. I was working in, uh, in Europe last year at the Effort Pain Conference and also at the Effort Pain School in Nuremberg. And all it is is a very simple movie which is sort of just snapshots of really of what all the things I've been doing. People with pain, you know, Paul, we're visual learners. When you've got pain or you know continual pain, your attention span is quite low. So I think what, when I've been talking to people over the years, and especially for me with my, my pain, I haven't got the attention span really to think about sitting there and yeah. reading things. But this is the technology that people can really access and find advice and help. Paul, if you tap into a searching, I'm going to use Google for an example. 
you tap in the word pain, how many websites will come up? We're talking about one and a half million. So where do you start? You know, you've, I've got this pain problem, what do I do? So it's about looking at trusted sites. So the ones we have on the pain toolkit one, there's obviously the pain concern one, British Pain Society. We don't have any uh, websites there that are promoting uh, products or anything like that. So it's about using trusted sites. So for me as well, on, on YouTube, there's lots of information on there, visual information. That's why we've got a link on the pain toolkit where people can uh, look at short videos about self-managing pain. And... Um, the website, it's, I don't know, it gets a lot of traffic and uh, we get about, on average, about 27,000 visits a week, something like that, on the on website. But it ain't just the, U, the UK, we get a lot of visitors from overseas, from Australia and New Zealand, and now a lot from Canada and the US. I always remember Rod Stewart from years ago, he did an album back in the 70s, I don't know if you might remember it, Paul, it was called Every Picture Tells a Story. And to me, it's about using pictures, about using illustrations, about how people can learn how to self-manage their pain. I mean, we know how cavemen lived from years ago. They didn't leave a post-it note on the side of the caves, did they? They, they painted pictures of how they used to hunt and whatever, and we understand how they did those sorts of things. So for me, it's about using a mixture of visual, using a bit of text, etc. When I talk to healthcare professionals, I always say to them, rather than saying to the patient, well, here's a leaflet, here's a YouTube clip, here's that, actually ask the patient, well, how do you learn? Do you learn by reading? Do you learn by watching? Do you learn by practice? Do you, do you have a mixture of all three? And then they can, then the GP or the healthcare professional comes up with the resources that the patient will need so that they can move on. But they've got to work with them and have an action plan. So it's not all down what the patient's going to be doing, but it's not all down to what the healthcare professional's going to be doing. It's about how they work together as a team. Look, the Arsenal. We won last night, 3-0 against Newcastle at home. Why did they win? Because they played together as a team. You watch the Newcastle team, they wasn't playing as a team. I have to get the Arsenal plug in, don't I? I'll tell you what, the other good really resource for listeners is, is Twitter. Because for me, I started on Twitter about just over about 18 months ago, I suppose, a year, 18 months. And I, you get the people on there saying, oh, I'm just off at the station and all that. I don't really follow those sort of people. But what I do, I, I follow people who are, I suppose, educationists, really. And I've learnt so much in pain management just by following people on Twitter, like physios and GP types and, and whatnot, and, and other people with pain themselves. I've learnt so much from other people, and I really encourage other people to, to go onto Twitter. But you are an expert patient. You do have to be careful about advice you accept from the internet. I think you have to make informed decisions about things. If you see something on Twitter, right, and if you're not sure about it, guess what? Go and see your GP or your healthcare professional and say, look, I've seen this on the on the internet. What do you think? Do you think it's useful? With the toolkit, a lot of people were saying it was well, this is okay for adults, but what about younger people with pain? I bumped into a really nice clinical psychologist called Jess, and we adapted the pain toolkit into a younger version called My Pain Toolkit. Great Ormond Street Hospital, they actually use it now, and other paediatric services. And um, in the last couple of weeks, I bumped into a lady in Australia, in Brisbane, and she promotes asthma self-management, especially for kids with school. You know, I used to have asthma when I was a kid anyway. So I said to her, I just emailed her a copy of the My Pain Toolkit. I said, do you think this could be adapted for young people with asthma? And she said, yeah. We sent off the first draft on Monday, of uh, a version called My Asthma Toolkit to uh, 
uh, some healthcare bods in Australia and, and in the UK who work with uh, younger people with asthma as a draft. So we just send it off to get an opinion from them, really, you know. But then people are saying, well, perhaps the toolkit could be adapted for many other health conditions. But Let me just open up your iPad again and just have a look at your pain toolkit. Okay, let me just go to the site. The address is paintoolkit.org. Yeah. And you can listen to a podcast. There's some lovely little cartoons on it. You talk about being a caveman, a 21st <laughs> century caveman. Yeah. There are the drawings. Yeah. And it tells you exactly where to go. It's fun to read but it is not patronising. No. This is, I think, one of the most one looked at uh, links. It's called the Persistent Pain Cycle. It's, it's, it's very visual, so people, mm. it's like a cycle. See, so at the top of the cycle, we've got persistent pain, which leads on to becoming less active, lots, lots of fitness. You start writing can't-do lists, sleep problems, stress and anxiety. And when I show this to people, they, they say, God, this is me. Exactly. So they can recognise themselves. These are the problems that they have. Exactly. And there is no rocket science here. It all makes such common sense. We were talking about starting with pain, getting more and more depressed. Well, the depression feeds into the pain. Yeah. The more pain feeds back into the depression. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. becomes a vicious circle, a spiral that has to be stopped. I always say to people, I say, what's the difference between that cycle and the M25? <laughs> you know, they, they laugh as well. <laughs> I say, well, at least you can get off the M25. When you're on that pain cycle, you're trapped. You just go round and round and round and round. And it's one of them sites where it's great for smartphones and tablets. So down the left-hand side, there are tool one, tool two, down to tool 12. Yeah. Is this a systematic program that people could go through? It can be systematic, but I, I'm, I don't want to be that regimental, really. I think people have to learn in their own funny little way. But I always say tool one is acceptance. I'm just going to click on it so it comes up. Tool one is accept that you have persistent pain and begin to move on. And people say to me, which is the most important tool? And I, was, well, I really say it's tool one, because if you don't really get that, you ain't really going to go very far. And that's exactly what, you know, some people say, learn to live with it. Well, yes, learn to live with it, but it's not a punishment. No, it's no. It's a way that's ahead. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we've got to accept it. Look, I don't you, you know, I mean, this is radio. Uh, but if you, when people see me on, on, on the website, you'll see I haven't got any hair. I'm a slaphead. Now the thing is, but the best well in the world, I can put a hat on, I can put uh, a wig on, but at the end of the day, I've got to accept that I've got no hair on my head. And the thing is as well, well I have to move on from that, you know? So the thing is, and that, that's for me, I did, when I didn't accept my pain, I was a doctor shopper, I was a therapy shopper, and I was going around looking for someone to fix me. And then I had to realise that there's only one person who's gonna sort me out, and that's me. So I'll say to people, look in the mirror, that's the person that's going to help you self-manage your pain, really. But the rest of the tools, really, well, they don't have to be systematic. Tool two is about getting involved, start building a support team. Tool three is pacing yourself. You know what, we're really poor at pacing ourselves. What we do with people with pain is, we use pain as a measurement, really, our guide. So we'll do an activity, and then when the pain starts or increases, we think, oh, I better stop now. Well, that's not pain management. That's, again, you're letting the pain manager you, telling you when to stop and start. People that say, well, I don't really get that. I say, well, if you had a car, do you wait until you're completely out of fuel before you look around for a garage? They say, no. I say, what do you do? They say, I'll oh, look for somewhere to, to refuel. Well, it says, that's pacing. What you're doing, you're stopping before you think you need to. But what we do is we just carry on, carry on, carry on until the pain's so bad, then we have to stop. The really difficult thing about pacing that I find is not 
stopping when you've done too much, but it's not starting when you feel well, yeah. not trying to get it all done. Yeah, we're all or nothing people. You know, as they all say in the toolkit, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we've got tool four is uh, prioritise and plan your days. Tool five, setting goals and action plans. Tool six is being patient with yourself. You know, we're not very patient with ourselves. You know, the old saying, God give me patience, I know we're up about it. Oh, we're never, never patient and people. I want it now. Exactly. We want to be out of pain now. Learn relaxation. A relaxed muscle feels less pain than a tense one. Tool eight is uh, stretching, exercising. Do you know what, Paul? A lot of people with pain, we fear exercise or, or stretching. In the old days, when we start to get active and everything, our pain levels increase. But look at it this way. If you haven't opened up a door for a number of months or years in some cases, it's going to creak. It's the same thing with our body. When we start to stretch and exercise, our pain levels can go up. Trust me, they, do, they, go down, they, they fall off a cliff. They really go down. What do cats and dogs do when they wake up in the morning? Stretch. Yeah, so when your dog got up and stretched, where did you take him to learn that? Back to the time when there were lions and wolves chasing him. Exactly, it's in their blueprint. Because they learned that if they wasn't stretched, there could be someone's breakfast. So in other words, what they're doing, they're keeping their muscles stretched so in case they, get get, they have to get out of the situation. You see, the, the good thing about something like this is that I know all this. My mum said I was a very intelligent person. Other people have said, perhaps I'm not as bright as I thought, and perhaps I'm not, because you're talking to me about stretching and aching like that. Now, if you've noticed, I've started stretching and massaging yeah, my neck. Yeah. Now, why did it take you to tell me to do that? For me to do it and this is why something like this to remind you of all those things is ideal do you need to be reminded to brush your ashes no i don't because my teeth will fall out or <laughs> i will have fillings if i don't but you do it because it's become habitual it's yeah. become a routine yeah and stretching exercise it needs to become a routine and you don't think about it or oh, i need to remind yourself to stretch you'll do it i got up this morning i stayed over here in manchester overnight and again i didn't think about oh i've got a do something, I've got to remind myself to stretch. I get out of bed, put the kettle on, make myself two uh, mugs of uh, hot lemon, and uh, then I start doing my stretching. So I'm preparing my body for action for the day. It's that mental change, isn't it? That learning to live with it, yes, but making it part of your life. Yeah. Pain is now part of your life. You know, Paul, it's like um, an unwanted, I call it an unwanted visitor in your life. You know, you're going along in a bus of life, and then you pull over at a bus stop and this, and this bully gets onto the, uh, onto the bus and starts causing havoc and stuff like that. And you think to yourself, and the bully says, I'm not getting off this bus. Well, where do you want to stick, stick this bully on the bus? Like, you know? And everybody says, well, we need to stick him at the back of it out of harm's way, like, you know? but don't let him drive the bus sort of thing. You know? So it's a bit, little bit like that, where this, you know, it's about something comes into your life and you think to yourself, it's going to be part of my life. So it's learning to live, how you live with that. Tool nine is uh, keeping a diary, tracking your progress. And the reason why I put this one in about keeping a diary, a lot of healthcare professionals saying, do they, do they need to keep a diary? Is it reinforcing the pain and all that? But do you know what? I always remember a story years ago about a bloke who was walking up, um, you know, in streets in San Francisco where they're really steep. And he's walking up the hill and he looks up and he thinks, oh my God, look how far I've got to walk. But then he looks around and then he sees how far he's come. And sometimes, you know, it's good to reflect back on how well you've done in your journey, like, you know. No, I kept a diary when I was at a particularly low point. 
But as soon as I started coming out of that, I stopped keeping the diary. Yeah. Maybe I ought to carry on with it. No, I don't know. It's up to you. I don't keep a diary anymore. In the early days, I used to. Pain management, you know, Paul is a bridge to normal living. You know, some, if you're a diary writer, fantastic. But, you know, it's about moving on in life, you know, getting on with life, etc. We're looking at tool 10 now. And this is about having a setback plan. Because we're overachievers, in other words, we do more than we have to, we'll probably overdo it, like, you know, a setback, our pain will increase. So it's like having a spare wheel in the car, really. So having a backup plan, you know, what can I do to get me back on the track, like, you know? And what do you do? What are your backup plan? Uh, what I tend to do is uh, I cut down the activities. If I have, um, funny enough, went out with my push bike on Sunday, and um, I think I, over, I did, overdid a little bit, and I a few bumps. And uh, it really disturbed me back, like, you know. So a setback plan was when I come back off my ride, I could feel myself, back, lower back's a bit tight. So what I just did, I did uh, lay, lay down for a little bit, done some stretching, and put some ice on it. Worked a treat, hunky-dory, back on track again. So it's about getting in fast, do stretch it, cut down activities, don't do nothing silly. Just be mindful of yourself, really, just keep an eye on what you're doing. So we're on tall 10, let's go to tall 11. What's tall 11? Oh, Tully, my favourite Tully, because it's got a picture of the cartoon of the Arsenal. It comes back to that one about teamwork and action planning. You've got to work as a team with your healthcare professional. This isn't a one-man show. There's a lady, funny enough, I'm helping down in uh, Kent at the moment, and she won't work with a healthcare professional. Do you know what? She's really finding it tough. This ain't a one-man show. You've got to work with your healthcare professional. It's teamwork. But he or she, the healthcare professional, has to work with you as well. Yeah, just, you know, the sad bit, Paul, is that they're not really skilled up in it. This is how, this is how crazy it is. Right, say, for example, you want to learn to drive and you went to sat beside someone who turned up at your house who can't drive, knew a little bit about driving but wasn't a qualified instructor, would you want to take lessons from them? So teamwork is essential. You've got to work as a team with your, not only your, um, your healthcare professional, but also your work colleagues and also uh, your friends, friends and family. And then we come up to tool 12, which is about putting them all into action, really. Keeping it up, perseverance. One of the things as well, a lot of people think with uh, pain self-management, it's dull and boring. Well, it's only dull and boring because you make it that way. About doing fun things, you know. Self-management can be like learning to do a sport, and I'm not, not talking about high-impact sports. And in fact, on the Twitter uh, just before Christmas, I come across this um, gardening group over in um, South London, where they use gardening and gardening as a form of uh, exercise, stretching, exercising. So they've all got their own little allotments, but they all meet up, do some stretching, and it's not all older people like us. It's about they do younger people as well. They do the stretching. But they do a little bit, then take a break, do a little bit, take a break. It's over in Penge, near Crystal Palace. If you look them up on Twitter, I think they've got their own little website. But they do gardening, but they talk about the importance of stretching and exercising as well. There's walking groups now. I remember a healthcare professional telling me one of the things that come out of research is um, how pain can isolate people, where you become, you've gone from that can-do person to the can't-do person and you end up becoming a bit uh, recluse when you've sort of tried to do something, your pain's increased, so you think, well, I can't do that again. And you become stopped doing social events, etc. There's a girl down in uh, Essex, she was terrified sometimes, she's got to do this wedding. 
But when I talked it through with her, she was worried about the bed that there was going to be at the hotel. I said, well, first off, what about phoning up the hotel and make sure that you've got a, a firm bed that you want? And they said, well, they do that. I said, you're a guest. Their job is to make you know, to have a good a customer experience. And uh, the other thing as well, rather than um, go down there on the day, is you actually go down there the, uh, the day before. So you go down there, stop over, so you've rested, then you do your mate's wedding, then stay over again and then come back the following day. And that's a great action plan. It is, and that isolation, again, it's going back to that circle of pain we yeah, have, yeah. everything feeding into each other. Yeah, yeah. But there are ways around it, as you said, and Paul, have an action plan. Listen, Paul, we all get problems in life, mate. But when you've got pain, what the everyday problem becomes magnified. So it's about using problem-solving skills. That's one of the things we do in the Pain Toolkit workshops, uh, the ones we run for patient groups and, uh, and healthcare professionals. Just providing a problem-solving formula, really. It's like a recipe, I call it, you know, and how to get over problems, like, you know. And I think, really, just keep asking other people. You know, one of the best bit of advice that was, or suggestion that's even given to me years ago when I first started out in pain management, they said, Pete, take cotton wool out of your ear rolls and shove it in your mouth. What they meant by that was I've got to stop talking and start listening. And when I started to listen, I started to learn. But when you're talking, you're not learning. We've talked about health professionals maybe not having the skills, or maybe the will to listen. But in all fairness, we are at the British Pain Society annual scientific meeting. You're talking with health professionals here, and more than that, you are welcomed here by them. Mm. And you're the 2014 pain champion. So they obviously do value what the patient has to say. Mm. Well, when I, was, uh, I got a phone call last uh, November to say that uh, I've been nominated to this award, and I've, I've, I couldn't believe it. I've, I've never really looked around for any recognition or accolades or anything. I'm not that sort of guy because I still do what I do. Really, I'm always I've been where lots of people are, and all I really want to do really is help people start that journey back. Really, you know. But uh, yeah, I was really you know I went up to the house of lords a few weeks ago. I think. Yeah accepted the award and uh, by uh, Linda Reardon, she's an MP. She's passionate about pain management. But the work goes on, you know. I try and use the uh, title I've got to try and promote. I've got this uh, petition, actually, an e-petition that I've seen on one of the government websites to get more pain self-management in the community, get it out to hospitals, get it into the community, but also have good pain self-management information on the internet. And paintoolkit.org it's a good way of doing that. You can, it's a start there, yeah, but there's also the other words. Once I mean, your the Pain Concern website, where you can um, subscribe now to the uh, magazine online. I mean, how fantastic is that? You know, Paul, you know, and I do. You've got to sit on a train, and everybody's looking at their phone. They don't look bother looking out the window anymore. How about this? A uh, lady that lives next door to me, Lisa. She's an elderly lady with uh, Parkinson's, and uh, she saw I had an iPad. I bought this last year in. And she said, oh, that looks really nice. Anyway, she went and got one. She's 72 years old and she loves it. Keeps her mind active. She's uh, Danish by birth and she's, uh, I showed her how to look at Google Earth. She, she was showing me whereabouts she was brought up in Denmark and etc. But she uses it to keep in contact now with her family. Then I bumped into a couple of uh, elderly ladies down by the river where I live. And she said, oh, we got laptops. We couldn't do it without them. And I said, don't mind me asking you, young ladies, but how old are you? She said, well, we're in our 80s. And I said, what do you like about using the 
tablets and the laptops. She said, oh, we can buy things, that keeps us social. We feel like we're in touch with the world. Pete Moore, driving force of the Pain Toolkit. He was good enough to mention Pain Matters, the companion magazine to these airing pain programmes. It's available as an online subscription or in paper format. Don't forget that you can still download all the editions of Airing Pain from painconcern.org.uk or you can obtain CD copies direct from Pain Concern. If you'd like to put a question to our panel of experts, including Pete Moore, who offers advice and support in his Ask Pete column in Pain Matters magazine, then please do so via our blog, message board, email, Facebook or Twitter. All the contact details are at our website. Once again, it's painconcern.org.uk. I offer these words of caution in every edition of Airing Pain, that whilst we believe the information and opinions on Airing Pain are accurate and sound, based on the best judgments available, you should always consult your health professional on any matter relating to your health and well-being. He or she is the only person who knows you and your circumstances, and therefore the appropriate action to take on your behalf. Well, the delegates at the British Pain Society annual scientific meeting are coming back yeah. to be refuelled after their talk. <laughs> Ten years ago, the pain toolkit was pen and paper. 2014, it's on the internet. 2024. <laughs> We're brown bread by then. I'll tell you, our next project really is we're adapting our site now for other organisations. We're going to be doing one for Manchester soon, so it'll be paintoolkit.org forward slash Manchester. But also, we're building three apps. We're building a beginner's app for a vein toolkit and then one that people want to progress, people can track their progress using something called My Pain Toolkit and there'll be another one there which is a CBT-led one where they can learn more information there about pain management. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for the interview, Paul. It's great. <laughs>